0: Hey there, this is Laura. I wanted to pop in to give you an update. This episode was recorded prior to our rebranding. What was once the Read It With Whiskey podcast is now work in progress, the Laura J. Live podcast. This episode reflects that traditional Read It With Whiskey format and may have information and content that has since expired or changed. Please visit laurajlive.com for more information. Enjoy the episode. Are you an author who has always dreamed of turning their book into an audiobook? Quixotic Bell Media is the audiobook podcast production company for you. They specialize in helping authors turn their books into an episodic audiobook podcast, releasing one to three chapters of their book each week. The episodic format will pull in new readers, help you grow your author brand and business, and QBM even offers help with audiobook launch strategies and monetizing your podcast. With Quixotic Bell Media, you record the audio and let them do the rest you can finally start your podcast and audiobook without raising a finger to the logistics or time-intensive tasks. This means you'll be able to get back to what's important in your author business, your writing. So if you're interested in working with QBM, visit www.quixoticbellmedia.com for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of Read It With Whiskey. This is the place to be if you are a fantasy or sci-fi reader, and this is definitely going to be one of the best episodes. My name is Laura Gentonin, and I am your host. I am the author of the Shockwave series, and you guys, my book two is out. I'll talk about it in a minute. All right, so this week we are talking with Lisa Johnston all about her book, Wakeless, Like I said last week, this is one of my favorite books of 2021. I absolutely adored it, and you can tell when we get into the interview in a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa is a communication graduate from the University of Calgary. She's an established writer and editor in the magazine and corporate publishing world. Wakeless is her first fiction novel. When not catering to the needs of her husband and two sons, she enjoys traveling, reading, and ocean walks near her home on Vancouver Island. We get a little bit into Lisa's career and how interesting it is, so I won't talk about it much right now, but this being her first book, this was a long time coming, and we're going to talk about it. It took 25 years for this book to get out into the world, so let me tell you what it's all about. One Future, One Chance at Redemption emma has somehow survived the wreckage of the 21st century gas reserves have run dry hospitals have shut and deadly diseases are rampant she now faces her greatest challenge discovered living in a basement hideout she is proclaimed clean and moved to redemption city despite escaping the contaminated world emma soon learns that life is no better in the promised utopia secrets abound no one is free and eyes are always watching a young woman in a oppressive role, Emma begins unraveling the true purpose of Redemption City. Rebelling against the male hierarchy, she reluctantly joins forces with a potential ally. Troubled by ghosts of her past and an unreliable vision of reality, Emma must find a path to redemption or pay the ultimate price. This book was incredible. We talk about the similarities between this book and my own second book in the Shockwave series. I think that was one of the reasons why I loved it so much was because of that connection. So enough of me talking, let's get into it. Welcome to Read It With Whiskey, the interview podcast featuring science fiction and fantasy authors. My name is Laura Gentinen, your host and the author of the Shockwave series. I am also a book club moderator, speaker, and avid reader, truly invested in every author's story. Within this podcast, I bring to you, the reader, all the -the behind-the-scenes secrets to how these guest indie authors bring their books into the world. If you are a sci-fi fantasy reader, then you need to hear from these authors. Let's learn about the person behind the page, sit back, sip some whiskey, and lean in to these self-published authors. All right, you guys, today is the day that I have been waiting for for quite some time. Today is the release of Oscillation Rising. So book two of the Shockwave series is finally out right now. And to celebrate, I'm going to read you the blurbs of both Transient Pulse and Oscillation rising, because if you haven't read book one, you can't read book two. (laughs) So Transient Pulse. When the nation is hit by a mysterious shockwave, the resulting power outage interrupts the world as we know it. Everything that was powered on at the time of the Transient Pulse is destroyed, seizing cities and populations in mass explosions caused by the rippling aftershocks. The lingering darkness severs society in two, those who choose ruinous control stealing and murdering for provisions, and those who begin to create plans for long-term survival. The latter includes Dixie, a strong yet hesitant young woman living in the heart of Southern California. Dixie is forced to build plans to navigate the country and hopes to find a Northern safe zone with Paul, a level-headed survivalist. When Paul goes missing, Dixie must overcome her chronic uncertainty and make the first of many life or death decisions. Will Dixie choose to wait for Paul using up their limited supplies in the delay, or will Dixie begin the journey on her own, possibly having to turn to the dark side of society to survive? Okay, so that was Transient Pulse, and now Oscillation Rising, out today. Forced to flee the one place Dixie thought was going to be her refuge, she sets out to reunite with her lost allies. An ongoing rain of shockwaves continues to devastate the nation, causing an electrically enclosed community, Oscillation, to rise as a haven of hope to remaining survivors. Determined to uncover the secrets of her past, Dixie now pursues Oscillation with her small group of companions, discovering more secrets to add to her ongoing hunt for the truth. Will Dixie find the answers she seeks? Or will more mysteries be unleashed surrounding her family and the future of the nation's existence? So this book was so much fun to write and and really the characters took over. I'm going to do an entire episode all about Oscillation Rising in the maybe near, maybe far future as well as an episode about Transient Pulse and then book 3 which is going to be coming out in the spring of 2022. So if you read Transient Pulse, then head on over and purchase Oscillation Rising. And if you haven't read book 1 yet, then Definitely go ahead and grab Transient Pulse. <laughs> and if you are hesitant or maybe wondering more about the world before diving into this trilogy, then go ahead and visit my website because there is a free companion story available now. You can go through either my website, www.lorajlive.com, and under Buy Books, there is a link where you can get the free companion story. Or if you prefer Instagram, go to my handle at Laura Live L-A-U-R-A-J-A-Y-L-I-V-E, and there is a link to my link tree where you can get the freebie there. Either way, the companion story is a really good introduction into the series. You do not have to read the books before reading the companion story, nor do you have to read the companion story before the books. It's just a great little tie-in to basically introduce the idea to the world. All right, so let's get into this episode with Lisa. Hello, Lisa, and welcome to Read It With Whiskey. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm good. Thank you. And, and I can't express how appreciative I am to for you to have me on today's episode.
0: I am so excited to talk to you, talk to you about your book, about a lot of other things. You've got some amazing stuff coming up in the next few years, even in your World of writing, um, so we're going to dive into a little bit about that. But before we get into the mean potatoes of everything, tell us why did you decide that you wanted to become a writer?
1: I think I've always wanted to be a writer. I've I've never done well in that nine to five sort of regimented lifestyle. I just found there's no creativity. I I need to write when I feel I can write, and um, I really can't imagine myself doing anything else. Even even from the time I was a child, I was. Um, writing small stories and notebooks and journals and, and unfortunately I don't have those anymore because I would love to go back and and read them and see what they were like but um, I, I can't imagine anything else than being a writer.
0: I love that and I feel like a lot of people on the podcast are like that it's like it's been ingrained in them from a very young age either they loved reading they loved writing and journaling that type of thing so how has that played into the rest of your life what do you do now full-time?
1: I well, I'm not a full time author, unfortunately. Someday I'd like to get there, but I am a full time writer and editor. I am the editor of a national magazine for the death care profession in Canada, and I know that kind of sounds kind of weird, but um, I spend a lot of my daytime hours pre COVID attending. Uh, funeral conferences, embalming seminars, talking to funeral directors, cemeterians. Some people, when they hear that, they think, oh, that's kind of weird, but um, <laughs> it it allows me to write and allows me to to keep doing that for my career. So I, I'm grateful and happy for any writing projects that come my way.
0: Definitely. Do you think having such a close grip on death and that whole scene, has that influenced your own creative writing, especially for Wakeless, which we're going to talk about in a second?
1: I don't think so because I, I wrote Wakeless prior to that. Oh, that's um, right. We got to talk yes, all about I that Yes, I know that, that, that comes <laughs> into play as well. But um, I think it, if anything, it reinforces to appreciate each day and to work when you have the opportunity and to get things out when you have a chance. Because as we're going to talk about, I let this book sort of languish on my computer for... A long, long time. And it was the COVID situation. And I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to profit from COVID, but it was the situation of that bit of quiet time that let me revisit it and, and get it out there.
0: Yeah. So let's just dive right into it because we're kind of on the topic already. So WakeList sat in a drawer for 25 years yeah, and now it has finally come to fruition. So tell our listeners, what is WakeList all about?
1: Well, it's, it's written in a um, journal format by my main protagonist. Her name is Emma. She's a young woman who has grown up in the second half of the 21st century when everything has kind of turned really, really bad. And at the time, she near the beginning of the book, she's found living in a basement hideout in her family home. Um, she did go to school for a bit. It was kind of a weird situation. The school board shut, medical is all... You know, defunct. There's, there's not a lot going on in life. She doesn't have a lot of social skills, a lot of communication skills. But um, she is discovered living in that basement hideout where she's taken away and she's put into sort of a quarantine facility, proclaimed clean, and then moved to another um, sort of utopia community where she has a second chance. But is it utopia? That's kind of where where the story gets confusing maybe big mystery (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) oh I just love this story because it plays on so many different fears and it is ironic that you did publish when all of this COVID stuff was happening because it has that type of vibe like what could happen if society were to fall apart and there were Mass people dying and things like this, and so it's very ironic that you were able to get back to it within the last couple of years and get it out now. Um, because I think a lot of people have fear, and so escaping into this alternate reality could be a little bit intense for some people. You self published this book, but in the past, had you thought about traditionally publishing, or were you always I, thinking you'd self publish?
1: Yeah, no, initially, um, I had wrote it when I was in university, and in the years kind of that followed, I re- advised it or finished it. And um, I had tried the traditional route. I had sent it to our manuscript or synopsis to a few literary agents and publishing houses. But I just found it was so hard to get your foot in the door if, if you didn't know someone that could kind of open that door for you, um, and they didn't know your name, I, I didn't get much response. And then, you know, I graduated from university, I got married, we bought a house, we had kids and life got busy, and I needed to make money to, to give them a life. <laughs> so it always sort of sat there. And and then when, when COVID did hit and some of my clients had to kind of pull back some of their work and stuff, I had extra time during the day. I learned a little bit more about the self-publishing world and I met some connections and the people in there are just so wonderful from the other writers to the bloggers to podcasters like you. And and I thought, you know, the more I delved into it, I thought this is something I could do. This is something I could get my book out there into other people's hands, which is exciting and and terrifying, but it gave me the opportunity to actually get the book into physical or ebook format. Exactly. And
0: when you revisited it, then you had basically finished it back Mm -hmm. at university. So did you have to rewrite a lot of it or is it basically how it was back then?
1: It's basically how it was. Um, I, I found some typos and, and things mm-hmm. that um, just because of my years of editing, I, um, I knew a little bit more for that. But this, the actual... Um, storyline and most of it is untouched it's basically what it was which kind of surprised me because I didn't have as much writing experience at that time I had to I added a little bit I did have a a professional editor look at it and we made a few revisions here and there but it really wasn't all that much
0: well that's exciting that you were able to revisit something so complete? Cause there's a lot of people who come on the show and they say, yeah, it's been in my, it was in my cupboard for five or 10 years. And I basically rewrote it all because it was so terrible. <laughs> so right. you were yeah. one of the few who had a good experience with revisiting a project. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. So how did, how did it feel then when you finally held the physical copy in your hand? Yeah,
1: it, it's surreal. It really is when it arrived in the mail and I opened it up and I looked at it and, and there's my name and there's the, picture and and some people said is that you on the cover no that's not I'll get to that <laughs> but it it was so exciting but it was also I found it very scary because I felt like I was letting a piece of myself out into the world or I was letting people into my mind and um, I think I lead a pretty normal life and that's why I'd like to get into these sort of strange or weird Um, characters and scenarios and but to when people were reading it you know it it made me kind of feel that they're gonna look at me and say oh oh my gosh you know I thought Lisa was so normal and she's crazy apparently (laughs) and and where did you come up with that you have to be crazy and and what were you thinking and because it is kind of dark story as you know and uh, and I know it's not for everybody and I know um, that's the way every book is though but I actually find it kind of scary to to let it go Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I can relate to that. Us mm-hmm. as authors, we put our work out there, and it's our it's our baby. It's we've been working so hard on it. We put so much passion into it, and so not only is it scary for us to put it out there and have other people's opinions, but it's kind of yeah, putting your own self out there because this is what mm-hmm. you created within yourself. So. Mm-hmm. But it was so good. And I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. You should be so proud. It was such a fun read. I love all dystopian and sci fi type books. My own series is in those genres. And so yeah. our books actually have a lot in common, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I wanted to talk more about the inspiration. So this entire concept of the world spiraling down humans being almost completely wiped out. Where did this come from? What, what was inspiring you to write this?
1: I get that question a lot. And my answer is always the same. It's Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. I had read that as a teenager. And then I watched the movie version, which starred uh, Natasha Richardson and Aidan Quinn. Uh, And it just, the story really resonated with me. It it just, um, and Margaret's writing uh, from the start, because it, it, I mean, I I love all types of books, but Mm -hmm. she created Like uh, a society and a governmental system and roles and I just found it absolutely mind boggling that she could come up with all this stuff. Uh, And I wanted something like that I wanted to create something that was like a Gilead that was just so bizarre, but in ways it could happen. It's not aliens coming down. Well, I guess al- some people believe aliens are coming down, but um, you know, it, it's not um, machines taking over the earth, although maybe that could happen too. But I think it's a little more maybe believable and that makes it a bit more scary. And um, so my inspiration definitely was uh, The Handmaid's Tale.
0: And I really enjoyed that book. I started watching the TV show that just came out recently um, and I've also just read The Testaments. Did you read okay. that one? I did, yes. Yes. Yep. I am yep. I love the world that she's created. And mm-hmm. I, when I saw that that was one of the inspirations for Wakeless, I was like, yes, this is why I love this book so much is because we have the same reading style also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so let's dive in a little bit. So this is set in the future, far into the future. Our main character is Emma yeah. and she is, like you explained earlier, she is found in a basement and she's brought into this place, this quarantine to where she's going to be deemed worthy enough to move forward into this next stage of repopulating the earth essentially. So that time frame between when she was captured and then she goes into what you call the redemption city, is very dark. And the whole story is like you said, a journal perspective of Emma. How difficult was that to write and be inside that character's mind as she's going through all this?
1: You know, I, I didn't really find it that difficult to write. I, I think my life is, is very normal. So I like getting into the mind of a character that's a little out there and not quite so maybe, um, calm and rational Mm -hmm. Um, so I enjoyed writing it from her standpoint I have had other people ask if there'll be a sequel and at this point I don't have plans but it it could happen because people said they'd like to see it from a different maybe perspective of because it in one person's sort of view of that world and maybe it would be different from Ryan or or the protectors who are the leaders of that community and maybe that would happen down the road but um, I I liked being in Emma's mind. And I, I like, when you write, you can be anything you want. You can be a mm-hmm. superhero, you can be a villain, you can be a, a, a young woman in a repressive role. And um, I just find it really fun and exciting or challenging or to get into that mindset and, and to pretend you're someone else, even when you're just sitting at your computer being still yourself, you're, you're not <laughs> really yourself. Exactly. Was there, was there any point,
0: in writing the book where Emma took the reins and took over what you had initially planned?
1: For sure, I, I don't, I'm not a plotter when I write. Um, I know some people say that that that's the new way to write. I let my characters lead the story. So Emma truly led the story and until the end, I had no idea what was gonna happen either. And there were times when I was shocked at what she did. And there were times I wanted to yell at her, you know, don't do that. Like what are you doing? But she ultimately drove the story. I was just the one putting her thoughts on paper.
0: And you're working on a different project right now, which is yeah. the Castro project. Is that one? Are you doing the same concept where you're pantsing and you're just writing it out? Or since it's a series, are you doing a little bit more plotting?
1: Um, it is a series. It's a three-book series. So I did a, a sort of, I think from the be- the first one was a little bit more just the seat of my pants, but I knew I had to bring the story, or I knew I wanted to bring the story into three parts. So I, I did sort of plot out what would happen in the second and what would happen in the third. Um, but I didn't go into detail of, as to maybe the relationships that would form or who might not make it, because sometimes I don't know that. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just the way I, I have to write to be creative. I, I don't know if I could follow, um, uh, plotted. I, I think that would stifle my writing a bit. Yeah,
0: be a little bit too restrictive. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel too. Okay. So we kind of touched on how your story is kind of connected, not connected, but similar or inspired by the handmaid's tale. So let's talk a little bit about redemption city and that whole process you created this little world of redemption city. Tell the listeners, what is this city?
1: Well, it's a, a domed environment that was created by um, a number of geniuses in the the old world, as she refers to it, and so they had kind of seen what was happening in the world: resources running dry, and uh, medical systems collapsing, and so they had sort of formed their own community and, and started building. This environment. And I actually got that idea when I was um, traveling. When I was in university, we went to Arizona and we had gone past the biosphere. And I, and I, and that kind of piqued my interest a bit that there could be could you live in something like that permanently and and we created this redemption city which is protected from um, the sun and from the germs out there and it's self-sufficient it's got electricity from the solar panels it has a farm with animals it has a water system Um, and I tried not to go too technical with that because I'm not a scientist and I didn't want people to come back and say no that couldn't happen, right? So I kept Emma's um, knowledge of what was going on very vague because they never told her why would they tell her she's sort of a common person. Um, So she could only speculate how it was running. So I tried to sort of cover myself that way. But it is, it's basically a self-sufficient environment. And they're hoping that through this small population of people that they can repopulate and keep mankind, I guess, um, alive, I love that.
0: And I like what you just said about Emma not completely understanding this domed structure and how everything is run because that comes into play throughout the story that her knowledge is going to limit her in a sense. But we also have a very similar situation within our books because your book Wakeless has this dome community. And in the second book in my series, Oscillation Rising, It's an electric dome society. And as I was writing, like right at the end of writing Oscillation Rising was when Mm -hmm. I read your book and I messaged you on Instagram. I said, oh my gosh, we have dome societies. We have to talk about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not sure where my inspiration came from, but I mean, I've seen what you were talking about, the domed structures and kind of living that idea of, could it be possible to have a self-sufficient community? And so- reading your book, it totally brought me back to mine and just, I was like, yes, I found somebody who enjoys what I enjoy (laughs) again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think I have read your book um, after we connected, and and I know you mentioned that that's coming out in your second book, and and I do see some similarities between mm-hmm. the books, but I actually see more similarities with the the Caster project in terms of the characters. So, oh. um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to reading your second book to see the connection with the dome, but uh, I don't see your your Dixie being that similar to Emma, but right. I see her being more like my my next protagonist.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely your your Emma. King character, it's all in her perspective, in her mental capacity is a lot different than Dixie's mental mental capacity in my book. Um, So I'm, well, now I'm very entertained about the Castro project. I mean, let's just dive into that a little bit. Can you give us a sneak peek about what this series is about?
1: Uh, It is dystopian as well. It takes place in the future. Uh, In this series of books, what's happened is North America, or the three big countries, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, they fractured due to poor governments and um, disputes and stuff which could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they fractured into all these little nations, and these nations are now some of them are allies, some of them are warring, but they're small, and they need, they still need to trade to be able to survive. So. The protagonist of the story, her name is Bree. She lives in a very poor country, and they have no resources to trade, so they have to trade their people. So after you graduate from high school, everybody has to go on a trade mission. And she's traded to a brand new country called Castor that she knows nothing about. And when she lands there, she finds out that she is actually being traded to be used as human test subjects in a pharmaceutical um, regime kind of thing. And it's not a good situation again. Um, so. <laughs> she has to find a way or or find the right people to help her get out of that or to survive basically.
0: Well, this is very exciting. I'm going to have to read these and bring you back on. (laughs) We'll have a take two.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well, they're all, I've worked hard on getting the rough drafts all completed, all three books, the drafts are done and I've just started going back to revising um, the first one. And I am hoping to sort of put them out in, in, quick succession, probably in 2022, maybe a two, three month gap between each because there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of each of them. And I know some readers don't like that. And they'll give you bad reviews, apparently, if your next book's not coming out for a (laughs) while. So I'm keeping that in mind that I kind of want them to to follow each other quite quickly.
0: That's really exciting that you have this new series coming out. I'm also curious if you are going to decide to do a sequel to Wakeless or a different perspective. And I really like that the book ends on a note where, like you said, the reader can interpret basically how they want. And so I'm not going to say anything else. Otherwise, we would just give it away. (laughs) (laughs) We would give away a lot if we talked any more about the book. So it wouldn't be Read It With Whiskey without talking a little bit about Whiskey. So yeah. what is your favorite whiskey to drink?
1: Yeah, I'm not much of a drinker. So I had to think <laughs> about that um, question when you had sent it to me. Uh, I, I guess I'd have to go back to my university days um, when we I used to drink a bit of uh, Crown Royal, which is like a mm-hmm. Canadian rye with ginger ale. But now my drink of choice is uh, coffee and my <laughs> latte maker is one of my best friends. So, <laughs> or my writing companion anyway. <laughs>
0: I love that. I'm definitely in both worlds. First half of my day is all coffee. And then at the end of the night, I might take a little whiskey on the rocks while I'm reading a book. Okay, so Lisa, where can our listeners find you and where can they find your books?
1: Uh, yeah, I do have a website, www.lisajohnstonauthor.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my books are for sale currently. I'm Amazon exclusive, but I'm also on KDB um, on Kindle Unlimited as well.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was so much fun to talk with you.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me.
0: Talking with Lisa was so much fun and I still just can't believe the similarities between our books. I'm, I'm really excited to read her new series that she talked about as well because she said there's even more similarities with her trilogy and my trilogy um, with those new books that are going to be coming out. So, and like I said in the interview, once those books come out, I will definitely have to bring her back onto the podcast because she has so many big things coming. I'm just so excited to see everything that she brings into the world in the next few years. And next time on the Read It With Whiskey podcast, we are going to be talking to Irene Chow and her book, The Herb Witch's Apprentice. Not only is this book incredible fantasy, but Irene is also an incredible artist. So I'm definitely going to be talking to her all about her art and her art business. Her work is absolutely incredible. So definitely check us next time with Irene as well as go ahead and get wake lists because you need to read that one. And of course, Oscillation Rising is out today, September 28th, 2021, and I would love for you to go and grab a copy right now. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to an episode of Read It With Whiskey. I'm your host, Laura Gentinen, and I just wanted to personally hop in and say thank you so much for listening. Your support of the podcast means so much to me, and I would really appreciate it if you could go onto your favorite podcast platform and rate and review the show. By rating the show, you're going to help more people find the podcast so then we can grow. Once you review the show, share it on your social media, share your favorite episode with your friends, and come back next time to hear more from self-published authors. I'll talk to you soon.